Um, I want to crack open to Genesis chapter 3. And if any of you have been around me a while, you will have heard me take several angles and um, times on Genesis chapter 3. But what I want to do, and actually Deb and I are going to tag team today. Uh, this wasn't kind of in the plan originally, but we were bouncing stuff around on Friday and just went, we're, we're going to tag team this. We're both going to do this. So I'm going to kind of set it up, maybe mess it up a little, and then Deb's going to fix it. <laughs> Perhaps. So um, I'm reminded of Genesis chapter 3. Um, there was a, a young pastor who was on his first assignment and in his first assignment he was you know, assigned to go and visit um, this lady in the congregation, you know, pastoral visit, cup of tea kind of style. And um, so he goes around and um, he knocks on the door and no answer. He kind of walked around in the garden and called out, you know, called out to her, no answer, comes, knocks on the door, nothing. So he just writes a note, Genesis 3.20, signed, sorry, not Genesis, Revelation 3.20, signed, pastor. And then off he goes. And... Um, of course, the woman comes out, reads it, and Gen uh, Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I'll come in and sup with him and he with me, or them with me. And uh, so on Sunday at church, the, uh, the woman comes back, uh, comes to church and just slips him a little note after church as she wanders out. pastor opens it and it says, Genesis 3.10 pastor kind of thinks, what was that? So he goes and looks it up and it says, I heard you calling in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. <laughs> <laughs> Believe it or not, that's actually how I opened my first ever sermon as a fully qualified pastor. <laughs> um, with that, uh, that, that joke's been around a while, but um, I was back in Genesis chapter 3 and I just suddenly remembered that and just felt like it was important to share it with you. Um, we have been um, we have been tracking for the last couple of months around this uh, this concept of the practice of corporate presence, and we kind of want to wrap that up today um, by looking at something that happened to us at the fall, but something that in Christ we can actually take back. Again, this is a really really familiar passage, and. Um, I'm going to start from verse 6 of Genesis chapter 3. Um, and it says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were both naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walk as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, who are you? Oh, sorry, where are you? So my contact lenses got all messed up with the tears. I can't actually see very well. Um, he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. There it is again. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat? And then the guy blamed the woman and, you know, it all kind of went bad from there. So um, one of the things that happened in the garden. And again, let me just paint context again. We've been talking about the practice of corporate presence and how, how do we operate together when we're together in such a way that raises the, the water level of the Holy Spirit's activity in our midst. 
where we all come together, we bring our own fire, we operate together in such a way that it is easy for the, the presence of the Holy Spirit to rise in our midst, tangibly so. And one of the things I've said for, for years is, what I don't want to always have to do is to retreat to my theology to know that God is here. Now, because theologically he has to be here, right? Because <laughs> he's everywhere. But I don't want to have to retreat that to know he's here because we want his presence so active in our midst as we minister, as we see broken hearts healed, as we see bodies healed, as we see him touch and minister and, and do the things that, that only he can do so well. There's something happened here that actually wars against that. There's, there's two things here, really, uh, as I look at it. The first one, in verse 8, when it says, The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They hid from the Lord God among the trees. He answered, Where are you? I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Now, what happened there? So, Question, this is a relatively obvious question. Were they naked before? Yes. So why has this suddenly become a problem? I want to suggest that one of the things that happened at the fall, see, before the fall, they were so much more aware of God than they were of themselves. When they were eating from the tree of life, now remember there was two trees in the garden? There was the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life they were meant to eat of all the time. Because the tree of life, it fed them, but it also preserved them for eternity in the state that they were in. So they were meant to eat from the tree of life. And the tree of life represents this place of innocent abandon. This, this, this place of absolutely no inhibition, no hiding, complete vulnerability, yet no fear. That, that's what the tree of life represented. The tree of knowledge of good and evil represented something that looked like this. They became more aware of themselves than of him. Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced this in worship ever. And if you have, you're not on your own. <laughs> and that is, I'm more aware of me and what I'm doing and what people might think of me in this moment than I am of him. Is this just me? Has any ever experienced that? Or is it? <laughs> Sometimes it's just like, yeah, no, it's just you, Tim. Like, okay, well, maybe I need ministry <laughs> again. Um, we developed a self-awareness that isn't healthy. Now, I'm, I'm all of my business world, my corporate world, and a lot of my church world. One of the things I talk about is self-awareness is one of the biggest gateways to breakthrough. And denial is the exact opposite of that. But this is not the kind of self-awareness I'm talking about. This is a different kind. This is a self-conscious self-awareness that who I am is more real to me than who he is. Now, in Christ, all of the curse that came from the fall was broken. And so one of the things that we want to do as we worship together is we want to claw that thing back. We, we, we want to take that, th that ground back. We want to steal that back that the enemy stole from us. And what we want to do and what, what we're essentially talking about between the two of us today is about cultivating God awareness. Now, before the fall, it just kind of happened. After the fall, that's just what they were left with. But Jesus died on the cross to bust that curse. And as he busts that curse, he gives us access to something. 
He, he gives us access to a realm in the spirit where we enter in and become completely unaware of ourselves and totally engrossed and enveloped in him. But there's a choice on our end. You see, if someone gives you a key to a door, you have access. You can go in. But you still actually have to go stick the key in the lock, turn it, open the door and walk through the door in order to experience what's on the other side of the door. And so often I think we've got the keys in our hand and we know we have access and yet we, for some reason, you know, I I think sometimes it's an enemy deception, sometimes it's a warfare thing, sometimes our own insecurity rears its ugly head, which is just no fun at all. And, um, And we stay on this side of the door. And yet I feel like one of the big invitations for us, and I, I, and I feel like, you know, in the last couple of months, we've actually been doing really good. The water level here is higher than it was two months ago. We've actually, we've actually taken ground back um, from the enemy and we've done it in a physical facility that we don't have control of the spiritual atmosphere all week. It was a whole lot easier in the other place in so many ways because we had complete control of the spiritual atmosphere because no one else used that. All sorts of things can happen in here during the week. So it's like each week we come in, we take spiritual authority over the space that we're in, but other people do similar things. And so, you know, yes, there is warfare around that. But one of the biggest things that we can do is we can choose, let's, let's step in. Let, let's actually use the key we've been given. Let's open the door. Let's walk in to that place where we cultivate an awareness of him that's greater than our awareness of ourselves. We're making sense. Yeah, Jay's working on the door shutting scenario right now. Thanks, buddy. The kids are having a whole lot of fun down there. Yeah, that's powerhouse. They're powering it, baby. Um, the, second, the second thing among, there's a whole lot of things that happen here and there's so many different lenses um, and so much insight in Genesis chapter 3. It's crazy. There's just one more thing that I want to um, pick out before I, um, before I tag team Deb. And then um, in verse 10, when he says, I, answer, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, who told you that you were naked? And then he says, you know, have you eaten the tree that I commanded you not to eat? In other words, Adam put back an evaluation of himself to God. And God says, who told you that? In other words, what Adam gained the, and Eve gained the ability to do in that moment that they didn't ever do before was to evaluate themselves apart from the voice of God. To self-evaluate. Where am I at? How am I doing? Oh my gosh, I'm naked. <laughs> apart from the voice of God. And, and the who told you wasn't just like God being taken by surprise. I think he had an idea what was going on beforehand somehow. <laughs> He's challenging Adam's evaluation of himself. Who told you that? Where did you get that piece of information from? And the answer is, well, I I kind of came to that conclusion myself. And I want to suggest to you any conclusion you come to apart from the voice of God is going to pull you out of his presence. Not because of anything he does. Because we shut ourselves down when we do that. So part of the ground that I feel like we, we are meant to continue in, you know, we've been talking about taking ground all year. We've been talking about taking ground in spirit together so that the water level of the Holy Spirit rises, is we've been given access to a place where 
this unhealthy, self-conscious self-awareness, we can bust that thing. So when we get into worship and we start to express in worship, we start to dance around, we start to get a little bit crazy. We're not halfway through thinking, geez, I wonder how this looks. And if, we, if that thought comes in, we just go, <laughs> probably pretty stupid, but I ain't stopping. <laughs> that, that, that was me over there a little earlier. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this could look stupid. I don't care. Let's keep going. Because any evaluation of myself apart from the voice of God at best is an inferior truth and at worst is a lie. What did I say? Say, thank you. Okay. <laughs> Have you written that down already? Almost. <laughs> You're very good. Um, <laughs> any evaluation of myself apart from his voice is at best an inferior truth. Okay, yes, Adam was naked. That was true. It was factually correct. But it was an inferior truth. At worst, it's a lie. I'm no good. I'll never amount to anything. You know, I'm such a phony. I'm here worshipping God with my hands in the air right now. But just yesterday, I was doing this and doing that and doing that. Self-evaluation apart from the voice of God. And we kind of think, well... My, my behavior makes me unworthy to stand here and declare the goodness of God. Well, declaring the goodness of God isn't about you and your behavior. It's actually about him. And the best way to pull your behavior to somewhere where you want it to be is start declaring who he is. This, this self-evaluation wars against us entering into the fullness of what he purchased for us on the cross. This, this self-conscious self-awareness that we develop, this, this ability to evaluate ourselves apart from the voice of God is one of the things that Jesus busted on the cross and he opens up a realm for us so that as we come into worship, we can dance, we can sing, we can shout, we can express the fullness of who God is and the fullness of who God is in us. And as we do it without worrying a rip about what anybody else thinks about that, we start to enter into the place in the spirit that we were created for, the environment that we were designed for. That is judgment-free zone. That's what we're designed for. You were never created for a judgment zone. You were created for a judgment-free zone. Do you want to head in this general direction? Um, So Deb's going to bring this into land in a sec and then um, we're probably going to worship some more and, and go for it. But can I just encourage you as I exit the microphone? This is, like I said, we've been given a key, but there's a choice that we need to make to actually step into and enter into that room. And sometimes it's a battle, you know, in the days where you're feeling insecure, you're feeling unloved and you're feeling rejected, you're feeling all sorts of different stuff. You know, in some ways it's harder, but really, all I, again, I just have to make a choice to go, which voice am I going to choose? And before Jesus died, there was no empowerment to choose. Now we have the Spirit of God that lives in us. He empowers that choice. And for me, sometimes all I do is I just, you know, if there's a line somewhere, I just kind of go, I'm just going to take a step forward as a prophetic act if I'm stepping out of that garbage and I'm stepping into this judgment-free zone where I'm going to let the goodness of God determine my expression, not my evaluation of who I am. I'm going to let who he is determine my expression, not who I am. When we all do that, 
oh my golly gosh, are we going to have some fun, babe. Yeah, as Tim said, we were chatting <laughs> during the week and um, I was speaking at a women's conference last weekend and talking about experiencing the spirit and... Um, and as we've been talking about corporate worship and corporate presence, I guess the you know the the number one thing my heart says is, for me, you know, it's actually well. You've heard me speak for two weeks on intercession, and you know, I'm very passionate about seeing our nation saved, about seeing so much amazing things happen that I know that God has a heart for this world, right? But at the end of the day, for me, and I feel like for us, it it can't be about his power. It can't be about each uh, reaching an end result. So really, it can't even be about us. This is going to sound counter- counteractive but stay with me for a moment it can't even be well our goal is to raise the water level okay because then that's a goal for me it's just about him so if I am just completely like all I want is him um you know I, I might be struggling with something but all I want is him I really really want to see us reach Rouse Hill and join the churches and do all this stuff. But but really, it's actually just all about him. And when I keep positioned in that place, I love it how Bill Johnson says, um, you know, when we make it all about him, he makes it all about us. And when we make it all about him, but yet our goal can't be to make it all about him. Does that make sense? Does this making any sense? I, I don't want to have a goal. I just have him. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's no agenda. It's just, it really is all about him because our primary purpose for being on this earth is to literally turn our face to heaven and to reflect the glory of God. And when we do that, then we really start to be who we are anyway because that's what we're created for. But ultimately, my hunger is for him. And so I want to spend more and more days just on the floor, just going, God, I want, I've experienced so much. I mean, I'm having more encounters now than I've ever had before. Probably I've had more encounters this year than I feel like possibly I've had in my entire Christian life because I'm hungering after more. But what I'm finding is it's not about going after an encounter even. It's just about him. And when we make it all about him, he makes it all about us. I feel like the biggest enemy that comes against us in this whole thing is not actually the enemy, although he does influence um, because we can give him agreement with stuff, right, in our lives. I actually feel like some of our biggest enemies are obviously the way we see ourselves. And also um, the culture that we live in. We live in a real me culture. You know, you go to a church in Sydney because it meets your needs. And if you go there, then you're happy and then you stay. That's how we find a church in Sydney. 
That's just how it is. That's the culture we're in. And I'm not saying that your needs aren't important. I'm actually saying that they are important. But what I'm saying is when we are all about him and when we're just about building around mums and dads in the kingdom so that we can just reflect his glory together, we're going to find our tribe anyway. We're going to find where we're meant to be. And so I feel like the me thing and actually just complacency, like... (laughs) I still have to choose every day to just want to worship. It's not that I don't want to be with him, but I could. I just could get really lazy. Like, it's just easy. It's There's so many things you can get distracted with. And I just find that complacency is a big thing in our culture. And I was actually chatting to Daniel literally just on the way to church today because um, we were at a worship thing last night which was great and he had a great worship experience and we were talking about having this every time and he's like yeah but sometimes I just don't feel like it I'm like but you're never gonna always feel like it you just you know I don't always feel like it but I just choose to just turn my heart to him and from that moment all I do is catch a glimpse of him and I just want more and so I feel like um you know, it, it is just about him. And yet there is like a positioning of us to receive the more of him. So there's like a partnership in this. And um, what does the positioning look like? I needed to give some concrete examples because sometimes when you're up the front with a microphone, you can just go, let's just all surrender and position. And people are like, oh, that's great. What does that even look like? What I mean is... You know, just some simple things. Like if you don't know where to start, just choose to soak one song a day. Soaking is so counteractive to our culture, which is all about I have to be doing things and, you know, it's just like, you, no, you literally can just soak and you just get to be with him. That's, that's it. Um, and you know, what if we just choose to engage in worship? more than we used to, all those things. So that's not a worksy thing, it's just a positioning thing. To me, it's an inclining your heart toward God. It's really funny, this week I think I have mentioned the book Strengthen Yourself in the Lord by Bill Johnson several times to people um, and it's just come up in conversation and I think I'm going to pick it up for the third or fourth time I think I'm up to. I really want to read it again. But if you are like, I don't know how to position myself to feel strong in God every moment, all the time it's like you know I really I really struggle in that choosing and all that sort of stuff pick up strengthen yourself in the Lord and read it it's so so good and it's really actually not that hard so I feel like what we want to do do we want to do some music or something um in other words can we do some music or something (laughs) um I feel like we want to do a personal thing now I'm going to give you the opportunity for a personal time with God where you're going to choose something and then I want to do a corporate thing, okay? So, um, you know, there are moments where we just take the opportunity to just say yes to more and I want to just give one of those opportunities now. I want you just to close your eyes and just become aware of Him You know, we did God's space a few weeks ago. Just become aware of him around you. And then I really just want you to tell him, what do you want? When you think about worship, 
and just him and the encounters that you've had and then the encounters that you would love to have. What do you want? Just tell him what you want. Do you know how much he loves us jumping up onto his lap and telling him what we want? So just tell him, what do you want with him? What is the dream of your heart for you and him? God, I pray you just stir us up. You know, the Bible talks about fanning into flame the gift of God that's within us. And it's like he so wants to stir us up so that he can just speak to you and touch you and love you and all the things that he's longing to do. But it's like... You know, that stirring thing, what I see is it's like he wants our hand on that stirring thing as well. So we stir together, him and you, him and you stirring up the Holy Spirit that he's given you. Stir it up together because he wants, our will is so involved in where we go and what we do and what we want. So engage your will whether you picture yourself stirring yourself up, whatever it is, just do that for a moment. Okay. Now, the great thing about being in a family, and this is why... It's so important to be part of a spiritual family is we really need each other. Like there are moments that I've talked to people and they're going through the hardest things. Like, you know, even with Liz this week, it's like there are times when you don't have to be strong because we're your family. And that's when you lean on us and we get to be strong for you. And there are times when you're like, ah, I really need people around me right now. And we need to encourage each other and stir each other up as well so I want you to just put your hand on the person next to you and I want you to pray for them something like you would want to be prayed for you about being stirred up okay so how you'd like someone to pray for you about being stirred up that's what I want you to pray for them does that make sense just checking okay got 30 seconds just pray pray for each other just pray we're not trying to drum something up we're genuinely stirring in the spirit we're making a choice
Make sure you have a turn on each other. you're in the glory room having a major encounter right now (laughs) there's one more thing I want to do I actually want to do a corporate response because I feel like it's really important and as I said this is not trying to we don't want to drum up things but then if we don't put things out as a corporate thing that we're going to do then we'll do nothing So what I want to do is I really feel like to sort of, we're not actually ending the chapter of worship. We really have just opened the door big and wide now. And now we get to flow in and out of that all the time. But I really feel like we need to make a stand as a family to say, you know, we we really want this. We really want more of Him. We really want Him together. Because together is so much better than separate. So much more powerful. So if you want to join me in making a corporate, kind of like a prophetic declaration, that we're actually really going to go after Him. We're going to go after Him for Him. And out of that, we are going to go places in the Spirit together that we can't go if we don't go there. And I really do believe that we are going to be able to impact our city and things like that more powerfully from this. But we're doing it primarily because of Him. So if you want to make that stand with me, then I want you to come out. And I reckon we could all almost fit on this brown mat together. So let's do that. Because then we're going to sing a song together. But let's come out and let's all join up. Because I don't know about you, but I do want more of Him and I want more of Him here when we're together. We have volume. And all I've learned over the time that I've been learning things is that if you ask... He loves to say yes. And if you hunger, He will never leave you hungry. Yeah? All right, squish in. We can squish in more. Okay, let's join up. We might join up with these guys as well. Let's just get messy, link up. Do you want to somehow link up? I'm just going to pray. Because this is about us taking ground together. And this is about us saying, God, we position ourselves as a church family for more of you. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to have normal services. I just, I really want more than that. 
Okay, so you need to get loud now, so I can't just hear myself on the microphone. Just start talking to God, just saying what we want as a family, and you just pray for your family, you declare together, and then I'm going to do a declaration at the end, which declares that we're going to go for more. Just tell Him what you want. Tell Him what you want for our I-61 family. This is a corporate thing. we join together and we say Heavenly Father we love you and we want you God we want more of you everything about you the things that make us feel uncomfortable and cause us to change to go from glory to glory we want the things God of you that mean that we dance on your goodness and see breakthrough in our lives God we want to more of you to see that we would take ground in this city, God, that we would join the church of Rouse Hill and that we we would see Rouse Hill radically transformed for the name of Jesus, for the name of Jesus. So we say more, God, more, God. And God, we position ourselves, we incline our heart towards you, God, but we want more. And we pray that every day and every night that you would stir us up, Stir us up, stir us up with fresh dreams. Stir us up with prophetic words for each other, that we can encourage each other. God, give us boldness that we can see each other's lives and we can call each other up into the more. Yeah, I just pray a corporate blessing in Jesus' name. Yeah, God, I just break off that self-conscious self-awareness that makes us more aware of ourselves than of you. God, just break that off us as a house. In the name of Jesus, I break off any self-evaluation, any self-judgment that didn't come from your voice. We declare that Jesus Christ broke that curse when He died on the cross. Just declare you are free. You are free from judgment. You are free from accusation. You are free to experience Him. You are free to express His goodness through you. Because He says, You are my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. My beloved child in whom I am well pleased dance with me. Come play with me. I'm so not stressed out. I just love being with you. All right, we're going to sing this song now and I'm going to just say, can we actually just stay before these chairs here? Might want to spread out a bit. But let's just stay together and let's just sing this song. This song is Shekinah Glory. Shekinah is the word that explains the resting glory of God. So it's the dwelling glory of God, the glory of God that doesn't just come and fall and we experience God and oh wow, wasn't that amazing? The Shekinah Glory is the glory of God that comes and stays.
That's what we're going for. <laughs>